You know, there's one thing that I, I detested uh, for years, and I would hear every once in a while, I can tell you what's going to happen from moment to moment. And I really just like to tear up people's playhouse sometimes. <laughs> when they think they've got things figured out, I like to pull something new out of the bag. And it's exciting to know that when you come to church, we never know what God has orchestrated. But he always has something good and special. And here's, here's what he wants to do. He always wants to feed us. And we all have good appetites. And he wants to bless us. And he wants us to be changed when we walk out of this building. And he wants us to be, our spirits to be lifted and our, our motivation motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was just thinking this morning, uh, uh, after, even after I got up uh, early today about the message that uh, God has laid on my heart, eyewitnessing his majesty. And even through difficult times, we can witness the hand of God. Through the most devastating moments, we see people motivated to stand up for the right and do things that they normally don't do because there's something inside of them that wants to be released. Sometimes it's love. Sometimes it's compassion. Sometimes it's just saying, I want you to know I care. I want you to know that your life means something, and God sent me to tell you that he loves you and he's concerned about you. And the, there's nothing like enjoying the presence of God. And the Word has a lot to say about the presence of God. But I want everybody to stand before we look to the message, and we're going to do something great. It's not me that's great. I just want to sing uh, maybe uh, something, and I want you to help me. It's a brand-new song to some, but to those that have been walking with the Lord, it's not a, a new song, but it's going to go right along with the message today. Didn't you enjoy praise and worship this morning? Jenny and ja uh, Jackson, you did great. And I'm not singing because I'm great. I want to sing because this is a part of the message this morning. How many would rather sing than hear what the, we have to say? Are we ready? Do we have the words? We do. As I journey through the land, singing as I go. Sing with me. Through Calvary, through the grins and flow, many arrows pierce my soul from without within. But my Lord goes ahead and leads whate'er betide. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares are past, home at last, never to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares are past, home at last, never to rejoice. How many have never heard that song before? Wow. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be kinder than I was going to be. There are people that have never heard this song. How many have heard this song for years? Let me see your hand. How many know it without the, without the words on the overhead? Oh, I can see the old-timers saying, I know it. <laughs> All right. Well, we know it, so let's, let's just start back with the verse. As I journey through this land, singing as I go. 
Pointing souls to Calvary through the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within. But my Lord goes ahead, leads whatever be tied. Oh, I want to see. Turn the volume up a little bit. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, never to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, never one more time. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, never to rejoice. Give yourself a hand. You did great. And you may be seated. We're going to receive one more offering and we're through. Aren't you glad for Jesus today? Aren't you glad? Are you glad? Let me ask you, have you just released what's been bugging you all day and you just came to have a refreshing drink of water this morning? I'm telling you, God wants you to leave here refreshed and renewed. And he, he wants me to tell you, take your eyes off your circumstances. And for just a few moments, think about what the word of, God, word of the song said. Do you really want to see the Lord? Do you really want to look upon the face of the one that died on Calvary? Do you want to walk the streets of gold like many from this church have, are, are, are already doing? Listen to me. God has your name in the book of life if you've accepted him as your personal Savior. Don't let anybody put you under the bush. And like Jared was saying this morning, we're going to let our light so shine. Let our light, and your life is the candle. And God has lit that candle. Don't hide it under a bushel. Let it shine. Your laughter makes a merry heart does good like a medicine. Find something to laugh about every day. You say, I don't see anything to laugh about. You look in the mirror every morning. (laughs) If you're like me, you look in that mirror today and you say, what has happened? It's a great life. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And here's what I've noticed in my own life. If he can steal my joy, he's got me where I want to be or where he wants me to be. If he can steal my joy, he's already tipped my bucket. He's already got me in a place where he can say other things to me because I've opened the door and I've let him steal my joy. Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, the old prophet Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 10, says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Um, and, and the psalm says, A merry heart does good like a medicine. So if you're here, you're not feeling real good. Maybe you've got ill feelings. Maybe it's just time that you pop the cork and let the Spirit change your life this morning and, and leave here a new person. I think about how the world uh, deals with the spirit man. And I, I, as I travel through uh, the cities of, of Oklahoma and other states around, once in a while uh, you'll see across the door of, of an alcoholic beverage, spirits. <laughs> and you can go in there, I'm told, and you can buy something that will literally change 
your spirit. And, you know, and I, this is just hearsay. I've heard people that could dance real good could go in there and buy spirits. And before the night was over, they weren't only the best dancer, they owned the dance hall. And I've been told that the next morning there is payday for those consequences. And I see two looks and how would he know? Confession time. My father-in-law knew how to make wine. I had, I had never tasted wine until I married the first lady. She knew where her dad kept the wine after he made it. And before it was made, her and her twin brothers sampled it to make sure it was really the good thing. So she had been taking communion a long time before I married into the family. But I'll never forget, uh, my father-in-law had a gallon of jug, jug of uh, wine. And uh, it was so, he had decided to take it to the hay barn where we backed in his old pickup every morning and loaded the square bales to feed uh, the uh, mama cows. And so he introduced me to this uh, gallon of uh, warm-up stuff called wine. And I don't mind telling you, it, uh, it, it hit some taste buds I'd never hit before. You know, and when I was enjoying a first time or two, uh, uh, I kept hearing this in my spirit, be sure your sins will find you. I thought, you know, it's just my father-in-law and I. He, he's a great guy. After all, he gave me permission to marry his daughter, and he's in, he's included me in his family. But little did I realize that uh, months went by, and we were uh, building the home that we still live in. And uh, my dad had volunteered to go to the city and pick up some windows that we were going to need for the construction of that home. And and so he, little did I know that. Uh, uh, he would bring them to the barn where we loaded hay. And little did I know that the hiding place was exactly where he wanted to uh, unload the windows. And I'll never forget, we, my father-in-law and I worked at Southern, and uh, we came home from work that day, and uh, the windows were stacked just exactly where that gallon, of, uh, uh, gallon jug of wine was uh, hid. And he had moved the end gate of the truck over so we would know that he took special care to make sure <laughs> my sins had found me out. Now, I'm not, I'm not putting you down. If you, if, you, if you drink wine, that's your business. I just ne we just never did have it in our refrigerator. We just never did. All we knew was that we'd receive power after the Holy Spirit came upon me. We'd be witnessing Jerusalem, Judea, and the Samaria, and the other part, most part of the earth. I didn't know that there was a substitute to lift your spirits until I got married. <laughs> so it's all my fault. <laughs> well, confession is good for the soul, so I'm already feeling good. Everybody ready to go home? Let's look to a portion of Scripture this morning, and uh, it's recorded in Job chapter 42. And I want us to take time and just allow the Spirit to talk to us this morning. You know, uh, my, my desire as your pastor is I want you to be fed. And I want you to be fed real well on the Word of God. My desire is to see you grow and mature and, and, and rise up 
above the shadows and doubts of a, a world that's, that's really taking on a, a fake a, a figure in this world today. And when you hear the voice on, on the news, you automatically start processing, is this for real? Is this real? Could this be somebody else's witness of what isn't true? Could this, could this really be? And we hear people being convicted before they're ever tried, before the evidence has ever been produced. Well, I, I'm going to share this this morning. The only way that you will, I will witness the power of God is for you to be a cont- container filled with God's presence. Only when you've allowed Jesus Christ to become Lord of your life will you realize that he will not only intoxicate your spirit, he'll cause you to be merry, he'll cause you to process life, he'll cause you to rise above many shadows and many doubts. And I can tell you something, my, the, my Lord will never condemn you for where you've been or what you've done. He's not concerned about that. He's concerned about your future. Put your hands together. He's a good God today. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've noticed another thing in life before we read the Scripture. I've noticed a lot of people draw conclusions from what they hear. If you come to this church today, I am so glad that you're part of our church family but I never want you to just live on what somebody else tells you about Lord, the Lord. I want you to be a witness. I wasn't there when he died on the cross, but I have this vivid picture of the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary's tree so that I would be free from the bondage of sin. I have this image of the crown of thorns that Jesus wore on the cross. I have the image of how they tore his garment and they, and they gambled it away. I have the image of how he died between two thieves for something he wasn't guilty of. I should have been there, but he took my place. I had the vivid picture. And one day when I accepted him as Lord of my life, something happened on the inside. I I became a new person on the inside. He regenerated what I had tried to destroy, what I thought I was a self-made man. And he created me into his image, and he gave me the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't something to talk about. It's something to live. The Holy Spirit is something to guide. It's something to be a lamp unto your feet, a light to your pathway. It's something that will do you good, like a medicine. It'll give you strength to mount up with wings as eagles. It'll give you strength to be, not be weary, and, and you can walk and not faint. The Holy Spirit will cause you to love your enemies yourself. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Do we always do what the Holy Spirit says? Absolutely not. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I'm going to look at a man's life this morning, and I want you to draw from the words that he shares with us as we read about the first six verses of Job's life recorded in Job chapter 42, and I want to read verses 1 through 5. Then Job answered the Lord. Job has been a sick man. He's had Job, we called Job's comforters. They came by and they did what doctors usually do. The doctor analyzes our problem after we tell him what's wrong. And then he, he gives us a medication to try to overcome the, the critical area that our body may be facing. But Job had friends just like you and me have. They can always tell you what's wrong with you. Have you ever wanted to tell them, go home, look in the mirror? I'm sure just pastors think that. I'm sorry. But these, these, these friends of Job's came by and said, there's sin in your life, there's something wrong with you, you don't measure up, you got to do this, you got to do that. Uh, you wouldn't be going through this if you were living for Jesus, let me tell you. We all go through stuff we wish we didn't have to go through. That's called life. 
But in the time of Job's trying to hang on for dear life, even his precious wife came by. He's sitting in a pile of ashes. He has boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, and he's, he's literally scraping the, the head off of those boils and, and suffering immensely physically. And his wife comes by with these killing words, Job, you're such a mess. Why don't you just curse God and die? And Job says in the midst of his trial, in the midst of when he had lost everything, his family, his wealth, his health, it seemed like everything was gone and there wasn't a God that was real. Here's the voice of one who's been through it all. He's lost it all, but he had, he's lost everything except the touch of God on his life. And here's what he says, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. I want to tell you something. God is not in the slang business this morning, and Job might not have had the theology right, but he was certainly right on the truth. I'm going to hang in there, come hell or high water, is what he was saying. I'm going to hang there. I'm going to be a stick guide. I'm going to stick to Jesus. I'm going to stick to God because his word never returns void. It will do what he said it will do, and it will accomplish what he says it will accomplish if I will just only obey and cooperate. We pick up on Job's words in chapter 42, verses 1. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do anything. How many know with God nothing is impossible? Let me see your hand. Then you're a believer this morning. If you raised your hand, I know you're a believer. Job says with God, uh, I know you can do anything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. What do you think Job was, would have seen if he looked at his circumstance? Let me ask you this. Let me get a little more personal to all you people that have been married longer than I have, 50 seven years what would you have seen if you looked at your marriage for encouragement Job's wife said why don't you just throw in the towel it's not worth it Job stayed focused because he could see the Lord he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple listen to me don't let this message go over your head this morning this message is for me and I'm allowing it to flow through you okay everybody raise your hand I'm going to receive what God's speaking to me because at the close of the message this morning I'm going to ask you an important question and if you're 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 hearing me you're going to have to tell the truth okay I'm going to close the service this morning by saying what's God saying to you and if you're not listening there will be a blank Listen, we come to church not just to, because we have a good habit. We come to church on purpose because God wants you to know he's counting on you. You're his hands. You're his voice. You're his example. And some people read our life more than what, we, what they hear us say. And so, I'm, and so awesome that we have to wake up and realize sometimes we have to pinch ourselves and say, Self, pay attention. Yeah. I'm sure that was just for me. Job says, I have heard you by the hearing of the ear. You're here this morning. You're hearing me. But no, notice what he says, but now my eyes see you. Let me just tear, tear Christianity apart for just a moment. I'm not a religious person. I hate religion. Religion is like a rut people get into, and, it, and, and, and it's not like a grave. It's like a rut you get into, and it has no ends. 
And this world is full uh, and fed up with religion. They're looking for something that will carry them through the storm. They're looking for something that will strengthen them. They're looking for something that will cause them to rise and be more than a conqueror. They're looking for something that will not devastate them. They will not throw in the towel. They'll not give up. They'll not quit because they know with God nothing is impossible. Did you hear Job say that? What, where was he? He was a sick man. What would happen? He had lost all of his children. He had lost all of his wealth. He was a very wealthy man. His house, everything had been destroyed. And he said, all he's got is the old house that he lives in, and it's sick. What's he saying? I know you can do anything. You know, if it would have been me, I would have probably said, if you can do anything, Lord, why am I here? Lord, why, why me? You know. I've taken my family to church. I've, I've paid my tithes. I've honored our pastor. I've, I've prayed for our, our pastor. I've, when they've asked for help, I've shown up. Lord, why, why is this coming on me? Lord, I know you can do anything. But through the midst of the storm, through the trial of the, of the, and the testing time, are the times that the purity of our life many times is shown. Job said, I heard about you. But I see you through the hurting of my physical body, through the trying time of my, of my marriage. I see you. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on you. I'm not going to look at my circumstances because my circumstances are unbearable. Christianity, sir, Christianity in its purest form is nothing more than seeing Jesus. Don't shout me down. I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. Christianity in its finest form is nothing more than just seeing Jesus. When you see him, you see him, what, what he's doing in your life. You see what he's doing in your friend's life. You see what he's doing in your children's life. You see what he's doing, able to do in your own life. But Christian service follows, and Christian service in its purest form is nothing more than imitating Jesus. Christian service. It's not so we'll be highlighted so our name will be on the billboards. Christian service isn't because we'll hold the title of senior pastor. Christian service in its pure form is nothing more than just imitating the one that we see today. And we see him every day in some form or fashion. And every morning when I get up and get to get my life to rolling, I thank the angel of the Lord encamps around about me. Second Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. So I know that with God, nothing is impossible. And listen, Joshua 1, 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but I'll meditate therein day and night that I can do all, everything that the word says I can do, and I can make my way to prosper. I want to stop there for just a moment. Job, even in his trying time, realized that God would give him power to prosper even when he had lost everything. I know what it is to be bankrupt. I know what it is to have a child on the other side of the bars, and you, the only way you can visit is look through the bars. I know about the heartache, and I know about the hot tears that stream down your face when you pull out of the, the penitentiaries. I know all about it, but let me tell you, I focused on what God's Word says. He's able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we think or ask. And the enemy's number one highlight is to get you to look at yourself. You know what? The only way that I can get depressed is looking at myself do you know we have to encourage ourselves to get depressed think about it think about it you, there's only one person that could get you depressed and that's yourself have you ever heard this 
That's so depressing. Well, why would it hit you below the belt? Why don't you just let it fly over your head and say, God, I'm not good. I don't have time to allow the birds to build a nest in my hair. <laughs> Moving on. Job says, I've heard about you, Lord, but I'm seeing you. I'm working in progress. I've lost my children. I've lost my health. I've lost everything that I had to offer. In fact, I was so fearful this would happen. But I know you're still alive, and I'm seeing you working today, and I'm going to continue to hang on to my life, and I'm going to release everything I ever hoped to be to you, and I'm turning it all over to you today. For 51 years, Bob Eden was blind, and he couldn't see a thing. The world was a black hall of sounds and smells. He felt his way through five decades of darkness. And then one day he could see. A skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation. For the first time, Bob Eden's had sight. He found it overwhelming. I, I never would have dreamed that yellow was such a beautiful color. Yellow! He exclaimed, and I don't, I don't have words to tell you how amazed I am to see how yellow, yellow can be, but my, my heart's desire was always to see how red could be, and red is such an awesome, that's my favorite color. I just can't believe red is really red. I can see the shape of the moon. There's nothing better than seeing a jet stream across the sky, leaving the vapor trail. And, of course, the sunrise and the sunsets. Bob Eaton had never seen any of this for over 50 years. He said, every night I walk out and I look at the stars and the sky and the flashing light, and I could never, ever imagine how wonderful and how beautiful life really is. He's right. Those of us who have lived a lifetime with a vision, can't know how wonderful it is just to be able to see. But Bob Edens isn't the only one who spent a lifetime near something without seeing it. Few are the people who don't suffer from more forms of blindness, including your pastor. Amazing, isn't it? We can live close to something all of our life, but unless we take time to focus on it, we don't see it. When the wind chargers came to this country, I heard the pros and the cons. I heard the environments and what all the harm it would be. But I like to walk out on the porch of, my of our house, and I like to see those red lights twinkling as far as I can see east and west. It's like Christmas lights have came to western Oklahoma. Twelve months out of the year, I can see their flashing red lights. And it's not in my rearview mirror. Think about it. Just because one has witnessed a thousand rainbows doesn't mean that he's seen the grandeur of it all. One can live near the garden and fail to focus on the splendor of the flower. And one can, a man can spend a lifetime with a woman and never pause to look into her soul. I'm changing, I'm changing the course of the message now. That sentence was hard. I, I, I got a knot right here that I swallowed two or three times when I got to this point of the message. A person can be all that goodness calls him to be and still never be the author of life. Being honest and moral and even religious doesn't necessarily mean we'll see him. No. We may see what others see in him, or we may hear what some have said about him, but until we see him ourselves, until we, our own sight has been focused and we 
think we see him, and then he uh, shows himself to us. And only after we've lived through the hazy gaze of life can we see, even in the seamless darkness of America today, can we see the hand of God. For the Bible says his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. My heart leaps every day. My hand goes up. God, your eyes are roaming. Lord, please see me. I need your help. I need your strength. I need to be everything your word calls me to do. Time is running out. The end of the time is coming to a close. Please let me see what you want me to say to this awesome congregation because when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise, I want to see this entire congregation go to meet you, Lord. That's what it's all about. I want to see them able to work in their life. I want to see you work in, in give them strength to forgive and forget and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. And I see him working. I see him working. I see him working. Never before have I saw the attack of the enemy on the leadership of Elm Grove like I see him working today. There are health issues that are bombarding people in leadership in this church. There's issues of marriage. There's issues of any direction you want to take like we've never seen before. And at the end of the day, I say, God, I know we're on the right road. The enemy's doing everything he can to take us out. But greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not giving leeway to what the enemy says. I'm not giving leeway to what the doctor says. We have the great physician. He's the great I am. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to see him. I want you to, this morning, I'm challenging everybody within the sound of my voice. Open your heart's door and let let God come out of the box and let him begin to bless you. He's not going to condemn you. Listen to me. The Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. My greatest enemy is not somebody that drives a better car, lives in a nicer house, and calls me bad names. My greatest enemy is my soulish man, my mind, my will, and my emotion. My mind, my thought process feeds through my mind every day. It's my decision as to whether I close the door because God has given me power to cast down imaginations. Listen. In days gone by, they would take a film out of your box camera. You would take, maybe you had a 12 or 16 exposure. Every time you would expose that film, you had to roll it to the next, the next number. You knew when you came to 12 or 16, every what exposure you bought at the drugstore or at the variety store, you knew how many exposures uh, that you were going to expose to your camera, to the film. Then you would send it off. I think today... Can I see your, can I see, would you trust me if you use us just a minute? <clears throat> Today, you can just punch the button, and, you, and, and, and it will take a picture instantaneously. You can push another button, and you can send this picture around the world in just seconds. The, 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 the world we're living in today is, is such a different world than I was uh, that I was born into. We had no technology. We had no telephones. We, we, we started out without running water and plumbing in the house. And today, it's just taking, we just take it for granted. Everybody's got a pot to set on in the house. Nobody knows what it is to turn up against the north wind in an outhouse. 
And those were spider days. And you could spend a lot of time with Sears and Roebuck and Montgomery Ward because that was the toilet tissue. Oh, how absorbing. Oh, I could go on with the story, but I know that I shouldn't. A person can be all the goodness that goodness calls him to be and still never see the author of life. Being honest and moral and even religious doesn't necessarily mean that we see him. We may see what others see and what others are able to proclaim because they've seen him. But until you and I have had a glimpse of his majesty, a word placed in the crevice of our heart that will cause us to ever be so briefly and yet see his face and to hear his voice and he, when he speaks to us. And sometimes it's just peace, shalom, be still. There's a rest wherewith the weary shall be made to rest. Oh, it's not built on works. If it was built on works, we'd already have the castle made. Heaven would have nothing to offer if it was by works. Well, I thought I've heard you say, Pastor, faith without works is dead. You have. But I can tell you something. You can work so hard till faith does not even have a crevice or a cranny in your heart and still not be found focusing on what the Lord has to say. Have you caught a glimpse of his majesty this week? A word placed in your heart that didn't leave a message that our associate pastor brought this past week or the week, past two weeks as he blessed us with the word of God. You can hear a verse, you can read in a tone you've never thought, and a piece of the puzzle falls in place. Someone touches your painful spirit, and only one sent from him could do that, and his name is Jesus. The man from Galilee who spoke with a thunderous authority and loved with a child's humility. The God who claims to be older than time and greater than life has come into our life. And he came for one purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I once was lost, now I'm found. It was blind, but now I see. Oh, the goodness of God. The fog of life sometimes becomes heavy. Even theology just sometimes causes my head to swirl. I think, for, I think the days we're living, and I think about how men of God have endorsed the alternate lifestyle. And I think about moms and dads in America today that, that think little Johnny or little Susan, God made a, made a mistake. She should have been a boy. He should have been a girl. And I see moms and dads being so lost in the focus of life today that they won't let alone what God has created in his own image. And it disturbs me this morning. I think about people, the same sex falling in love. I think, and God created male and female so that they would have the ability to recreate. Yes. Yes. But I have a little secret for you. God has placed inside of us the ability to reach beyond everyone's lifestyle and everybody's ability and love that person because they have a soul just like you and me. It's while the, world, while the world is endorsing it. You don't have to endorse it. We know the truth of God's Word. The Bible says those things are an abomination to God. 
but beyond the fog that they bought in. In the darkness of their hour, when they bought a lie, the Bible says for you and me, buy the truth and don't sell it. And we're living in a day that the enemy's going to do everything he can to the Christian home to try to get you to buy a lie. Listen, always stand for the truth. Always stand up for Jesus. If it's written in the Word of God, believe it, receive it, and act upon it. Because you'll see, the fo- as you focus, you'll see God working in your midst even when the world doesn't even know Him. I reflect upon some people in the Word of God this morning. Thomas, a doubter, he said, unless I put my hands where Jesus, the sword pierced Jesus' side, unless I see the nail prints in his hand, I will never believe. And then when Thomas gets a glimpse of the Lord, he said, my Lord and my God, there's nothing like being able to see the hand of God, the mind of Christ as it works and makes itself available to us. I look at Mary Magdalene as she cried out one day, I have seen the Lord. I saw his majesty. I look at at John the Baptist. He's, He's in prison. He's, he was the forerunner of Jesus. He baptized Jesus, and, and, and Jesus went about doing great things. John the Baptist is in prison because of the ministry. He hears of things that are going on, miracles, signs, and wonders. The, the blind are being healed, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing. While John's locked in a prison of despair, he calls one of his disciples, and he said, would you go to the next city and ask, is that the real Jesus, or do we seek for the real one? The disciples went to Jesus, told him what John says, and he said to John, you go tell, or to one of John's disciples, he said, you go tell John. The blind are seeing, the deaf are being, their ears are being opened, the lame are walking again, the dead are being raised from the dead. It was a confirmation, even though John had no ability to get Carl out of that jail, he became a believer because he had a witness that he was seeing the plan of God that he had had a part in. To walking the road of a mass one day, said these words, and it's recorded in the Bible, were not our hearts burning within us while Jesus talked to us? Peter said this, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. All the splendor of heaven revealed in a human body for a period so brief, and the doors of the throne room were open, and God came near. His majesty was seen. Heaven touched the earth with the results of Jesus in being sent by his Father to a world. He exposed what heaven was all about by giving his one and only Son. Let me ask you this morning, how long has it been since you saw the hand of God working in your life? How long has it been since you saw a door open for your own life that only God could open? How long has it been since you heard the voice of God and you've obeyed it and you saw results simply because you obeyed? How long has it been since God just showed up on your doorstep, maybe financially, maybe spiritually, and it just blew the windows out of the out of the side of the wall because you knew God had shown up and He's shown Himself strong to you? Listen to me this morning. It's not about religion. It's about a personal relationship. And God has no respecter people. He has no grandchildren. You're the grandest thing he has to work with. Give him praise and glory to you. He's worthy of your praise this morning. He's worthy of your praise this morning. He's worthy of our praise this morning. If your prayers seem stale, if your testimony is gone, Let me just help you out 
I've been there. When our prayers seem stale and our faith seems to be troubling, Pat, perhaps your vision is like mine. It's being blurred by something that's not pleasing to God, such as fear, doubt, and unbelief. Oh, the religious world say, I'm not problem, I don't have a problem with that. I'm more concerned about those that are committing adultery. I'm, I'm more concerned about those that are not living a lifestyle. Listen to me. Listen to me close. You're the church that Jesus has ordained to change the world. You're all the hands that he's got. I want to say this again this morning. If it's been a while since you've seen him operating in your life, if it's been a while since you woke up in the middle of the night and you heard him speaking to you, if it's been a while since you've, you've had a desire to tell anyone anybody about Jesus, if it seems like your faith is kind of dwindling, just you just have come to the place, you've tried to figure it out, and you can't figure it out, maybe it's because you haven't taken time to see the Lord. I can tell you, because I know something happens to a person who witnesses the majesty of God. You'll never outrun it. You'll never, you'll never get rid of it. There's something about when Jesus comes in and he lifts the load of sin and he takes a garment of heaviness. He gives us a brand new heart and he gives us a garment of praise that we can be called the righteousness of God. Listen, it's not an obligation for me. It's not a responsibility for me. It's a privilege to stand before you and tell him, tell you he's, his majesty is greater than all the world has to offer. Give him praise in the house one more time today. We're living in the electronic world today. We can accept the fact that we can push a button on our computer and transfer large sums of money. We can take pictures of friends in a matter of seconds, send them to our friends in another state or around the world. Yet, the Word of God is more powerful, more alive, has more ability than our own electronics, and and we have trouble transferring what we see from the pages of God's Word and let them make a difference in our heart. This is good preaching this morning. It's been working on me all week long. It's doing something inside of me that does something that the world can't, has nothing to offer. And I can tell you this morning, God wants you to get a vision of who he is. He wants you to know his words are more powerful than what you hold in your hand, what you have in the bank account. When the bank account is gone and the darkness of your life gets so dark you can't see, I can tell you the great I am will turn the light switch on for you. You may ask, who's muddying the water of my life? Why do I feel so helpless? I admit it, I was one of them. I I heard all of my life about the great I am. I heard the message is both great and not so great. But there's one thing about it when the day that Jesus knocked on my heart's door and he came into my life. I admit, I used to listen to rumors. Now I have a firsthand knowledge of who he is because one day my blinded eyes were open and my deaf ears were open, and I can hear his voice today. It's a voice of love. It's a voice of compassion. It's a, love of, it's a voice of forgiveness. 
He knew my ending before he ever created me, and if he did it for me, he did it for you, and here's what he said, you're worth it. I'm going to create you because you're worth it. I can use you. You're part of my family. You'll do what my word says you'll do, and you'll have what my word says you'll have. Listen, that's real prosperity when Jesus takes us in. While the world measures prosperity by the money you have in the bank and the house that you live in, this house that I live in is nothing but a clay jar. And one day, should Jesus tarry, I stood at the head of a, a friend of mine Friday over at the Methodist Church at Fairview, one of the most colorful men I'd ever met. He had answers to every question before you ask. And yet he brought a sense of humor, and I told the congregation, I've heard all the stories from this man, and most of them I can't even repeat. And it wasn't, just listed, it wasn't just laced with bad words. It was just things that I didn't feel like it was to, to repeat, you know. But one thing I did remember, a few months ago before he moved to, to Golden Oaks in Enid, I just happened so. Have you ever heard people say, I just happened to be there? No, you didn't happen to be there. God sent you there. We want to take credit for, oh, I just, I just showed up at the right time. No, you didn't show up. God sent you. We want to take so much credit for what I've done. You didn't do anything. Amen. Listen, the steps of, your, of good people are ordered by the Lord. You know, pe- people tell me now and then, well, you, you did a great thing when you hired Jared. Well, you don't know him yet. <laughs> yes, you do. That was just a joke. Go ahead and laugh. <laughs> I didn't find this awesome man of God. God sent him here. And you know what our biggest problem is as Christians? Impatience. And I'm the captain of the ship. God, just hurry up and do it. God, you know, you know the list that we've got to do. Just hurry up. Let's get the show on the road. Patience. You know, I wish that word wasn't even in the Bible. Patience is a virtue. And boy, virtue is very powerful. I, I, I've got a long ways to go. Listen to me. God answers prayer. God knows where you're at this morning. God knows what you're being, uh, being uh, 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 involved with today. But Job, I finish the message with this. I re- read the rest of Job 42 and see what God did for Job. God, Job actually repented from the Lord, to the Lord. Lord, I repent. I, 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 I've said and done things I shouldn't have done. I, I, even, I, I may have been a bad influence, even on my wife, but after Jobin repented for, for his friends and, and those that had tormented him during the testing time, God restored his fortune. Isn't that great? Nothing wasted. You remember the message a few weeks ago? How many of you remember Jared bringing us a message? Nothing wasted. Yeah. Listen, what God had done for Job, he had let Job have a taste of what his future was going to be like. He, God restored his fortune, and then hang on to your seat, and then he doubled it. And God blessed Job's latter life more than the, his earlier life. Why? Because Job repented. This is how he lived the rest of his life. Job lived another 140 years. Think about that. What if you had to face me another 
140 years. <laughs> Living to his seized children, his grandchildren, four generations of them. And then he died, an old man, full of life. You know, when they lay me to rest, I want to be full of life till that day. You know why? Because the life of Jesus lives inside of me. The life of Jesus flows through me. Every time my body's under attack, I, I say this, Lord, I'm so glad your royal blood flows through my veins. And I'm glad it's not only purifying me from sin, but it's purifying me from the diseases. Every time my mind is bombarded, and I'm trying to think of Craig's name, and I think, I know he's married to a lady by the name of Linda. Lord, I know I have the mind of Christ. Listen, I've had to break some bad habits. How many have ever heard this? Well, it just goes along with the territory. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. You have the mind of Christ. Maybe it's just time you rest that, that part of your life. Maybe it's just time we rest from trying to figure it all out. Maybe it's just time we quit worrying. Well, you, Pastor, I'm just so stressed out. Why are you stressed out? You trying to take God's work and do it yourself like I have before? Yeah, yeah. Guess what? Perfect love cast out all my fear. David said, I shall not want Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What David was saying, I shall not want for peace because he's a prince of peace. I shall not want for friends because he's a friend that sticks closer to the brother. How about this? Anybody ever wanted to travel? We should get a real standing from part of this congregation. He leads me by still water. <laughs> not still water, Oklahoma. He leads us beside still water. Yes. You know why? David saw him as a good shepherd. And a good shepherd never took his, his herd of sheep by a swift running water. Even though they might have been thirsty, the shepherd knew that running water, getting into the wool of a sheep, would drown that sheep before he could quench his thirst. He always led his herd of sheep by still water. It's 12 o'clock this morning, but I want you to bow your head, and I want you to close your eyes today, and I want you to think for a moment, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're facing this morning, he chose to lead you beside still water so he could restore you. No matter where you, what you're going through, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've seen, no matter what you've evidenced, no matter what the world may be saying, it doesn't matter what the world says. They talked about Jesus as they hung in between two, two thieves. They said, if you really be who you say you are, why don't you just deliver yourself? Jesus had no time for those that wanted to make light of his life. And the reason he did is because he knew who he was. But this morning... What's the Lord saying to us? I can tell you what He's saying to me. <laughs> he's brought me a long way, but listen to me, I've got a long way to go. 
I haven't arrived yet. And when I preach to you, I want you to always know your shepherd knows that he hasn't arrived. I don't want to even act like I've arrived because I'm a work in progress. And all of our lives are work in progress this morning. But I want to I tell you this. God loves you. And he's concerned about you. And he wants you to make sure that you know the truth. And the truth that you act on is the truth that will set you free. As your head is bowed this morning. Nobody looking around. Let me just ask this question this morning. How many are there in this building you'd say? I really need a new glimpse of Jesus in my life. I've let the fog of life, I've let the cares of life, I've let the busyness of life fog my vision. But this morning, Pastor, I need a clear vision of, of the Lord. I need the reassurance He's working things out for my goods. Can I see your hands? Just, just raise them and hold them for just a moment. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for being honest this morning. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to stand this morning as Jared comes to close the service. As your head is bowed, your eyes is closed, I want you just to say these words, Lord, take the blindfolds off of my life this morning. I want to see you today like I've never witnessed you before. I want to know today beyond a shadow of a doubt that I can have confidence in your word today. And Lord, from this day forward, let the words leap off the pages of my Bible and let me see Christ in me, the life filled with your presence. Oh, we love you this morning. Lord, this is not the closing prayer. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to minister to this awesome group of people today. And as we leave this building this morning, may we be challenged to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Oh, God is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those that will trust in him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Raise your head this morning. Take a deep breath. We all have another opportunity, right? Isn't God good? His loving kindness is better than life. 